RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. Today is a Another special day. I'm, I'm really blessed in this industry to uh, have been here for 20 years and uh, to have so many good friends and, and so many people that I just truly love to fish with, love to be around. Uh, I spent some time on the tournament trail with this cat, and uh, he's one of the best on the west coast of Florida. Uh, how he plays with those fly rods and get all that magic rolling, I don't even know because uh, I'm not a fly guy, but he's a fly guy, an artificial guy, a live bait guy. You name it, Ozzy Lessinger can catch it. Captain Ozzy Lessinger, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mike. I am uh, super stoked to have you. I know uh, I know you were on the water today, so I appreciate you giving us some time. We we, we got to kind of start this. Um, Ozzy fishes Captiva Sanibel area. So we, we kind of got to – I want to start this with kind of getting a background on Ozzy Lessinger. So I know – there's a marketing degree from Colorado State. So how does Ozzy Lessinger go from, you know, little Ozzy Lessinger to degree at Colorado State to one of the best fishing guides on the West Coast of Florida? Um, I guess it has probably a lot to do with my dad because he started me fishing when I was really young. And uh, I grew up early years in Florida and then moved out to Colorado. And once I graduated from, you know, from Colorado State, I kind of had enough of cold weather, and uh, and headed and headed you know headed to Florida for a little bit, and you know joined the corporate world for a few minutes back in Colorado, and decided you know I have a choice to make. I can I can uh, try and be in fishing guide, and the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to fail and go back to you know doing something else, or I'm going to regret the decision of never trying. And so I decided in 1992 to get myself back down to to Fort Myers, Sanibel, Captiva area. And in 1994, I started guiding full-time. Nice. And 28 years later, I'm still a fishing guide out of the same marina on Captiva, out of McCarthy's Marina. Well, that's that's a long time. I just hit 20 years, and I thought that was a long time. Um, yeah, well, we're now at the age, Mike, we're unemployable at anything else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's, that's uh, hopefully nobody hears that. I mean, a lot of people listen to this. I don't want people to. There might be a few guys out there that don't well, know actually, that, Ozzy. Yeah, well, actually, actually, you're probably still employable. I don't my, know. I don't know about that. My 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 skills my skill sets. Um, you know, there's pro- there, I can promise you there's 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 somebody younger that can probably do it better than I can at this point, Mike. In, in this point in my life, so I'll just I'll just ha- I'll happily say a fishing guide. I hear you. That's awesome. So, you know, in, in doing some homework on you today, just, you know, stuff that I really, I kind of already knew most of this, but, you know, I, I, because I'm not a fly guy, I tend to forget that it's such a big part of, of Ozzy Lessinger's business and who you are and what you love to do. So, so if you had a preference, if Ozzy could fish one more one more way the rest of his life would it would it be you know throwing artificials you know paddle tails and and uh, and and hard baits you know top waters and spoons and all that stuff would it be fly fishing would it be live bait what's Ozzy's favorite thing to do? Um, well, let's see. It's a tough question because I 
I get into one mode and about if I get tired of it, then I have another mode to slip into and start enjoying it again. <laughs> um, so, but if you gave me uh, nice weather, ideal conditions, and I could pick and choose my days and be perfectly happy, I would prefer to be on the bow of a boat fly fishing and sight fishing because okay. I would take, I would take, uh, I would take a handful of fish that I get to hunt down and sight fish and cast to versus just slinging a bait and waiting for somebody to come eat it. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So how did the whole fly fishing thing do? Is that something you did with your dad or is it something you picked up after college? I mean, how did the, how did the fly fishing scene, you know, have you always been a fly fisherman? No, um, actually, you know, growing up in Colorado and fishing rivers and streams and lakes and all that stuff, I pretty much was a spin guy. I was younger and I watched those fly guys and I could outfish them 10 to one. It seemed like, <laughs> right. so I was, you know, it's kind of a numbers game when you're that age. And, uh, when I got down here and started guiding, I was just kind of looking one of my buddies who is, you know, one of my dearest friends who we started fishing tournaments together in 1994 and, and whatnot, but we also, we just fished together a lot and we started, we learned so much together. Oh, in my younger years of, and about fly fishing. And, and we both started, we both took up fly fishing at the same time. And we just, you know, I just, you know, it, if, uh, if, you know, if, if I can be on that polling platform and sight fishing and, and have my customers, you know, throwing a fly and, and seeing fish that, you know, that, that, that makes my days where, and nothing against bait fishing and nothing against my other great customers that are, that are, uh, that are spin fishermen. It's just that, you know, I will, uh, it, those days sometimes get a little bit longer where when I'm, I'm fly fishing, the, uh, it, uh, Flies it by. makes for, it makes for a nice day. Yeah. Now, are you self-taught? Um, to an extent, yes. Um, Actually, yeah, pretty much. Um, but I could say I'm self-taught, but I took the uh, information from Lefty from a couple of Lefty Cray's books, okay. and I took those books. He has he had Lefty's little books, which are, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest way you could ever learn how to fly fish. Um, I would there's a, there's a modern fly casting method and then advanced fly casting method, and I started okay. with the modern fly casting method and I read it. And then I'd walk out in the yard and I'd practice what I read. Then I'd go back in, I'd read more. I'd walk out in the yard. And to be perfectly honest with you, in a couple weeks of, you know, 20 minutes to an hour a day, I went from being a pretty poor caster to being able to double haul, you know, and throw, you know, throw the majority of the fly line off the reel. Wow. Okay. So what, what, if for somebody listening, um, you know, what, I always I went to a fly when that like I kind of lucked out and ended up getting an invitation to this cool fly school and uh I went down there it was somewhere uh between Boca Grande and you somewhere I can't remember exactly where it was Matt Lachey I think and yeah and it was a it was really neat it was 3 days and when I walked in the room it was really funny cuz the instructor I walked in the room of course sleeveless t-shirt on and you know, I walked in the room and the, the instructor looked right. He was talking to like four or five other guys and gals. And he looked at me and he went, you're going to struggle. <laughs> and I went, great. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, because you can't muscle a fly. And he said, you look like you're going to want to muscle the fly because you've been throwing things around in the weight room for a while and you're going to want to muscle a fly. Uh, but he, he managed over three days to get me to where I could 
I could, you know, I felt pretty good about it. Um, and I did a little bit of it after the school. We filmed a show. We caught some redfish. Um, we, we cheated. We had them all chummed up on bait and then threw flies in there and watched them push one another out of the way to get to them. Um, but, but I never, you know, to me it was something you had to keep doing. Almost like the game of golf. You know, that's why I hate golf. Because, like, if I play golf and then I don't play golf for six months, you're not going to be any good at it. And fly fishing to me seems very similar. Like, if you you don't pick the fly rod up for a long time, it's going to be a struggle to get it all back. Is that is that true, my my thought process? To, yeah, to an extent. Definitely to an extent. Um, you know, and uh, you just, it, it is a lot like golf but a hundred times easier because uh, I'm a horrible golfer and I've, I've tried to play golf and <laughs> I'm, I'm no, I'm no good at it. Um, it. you know, and, 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 uh, but it's just muscle memory. And once you get that muscle memory down, yes, it will take, it may take, if you, you haven't picked up the fly rod for three or four or five or six months and then you pick it up, it's going to take you half a day to get things situated where you're back to comfortable. Um, you know, my, I used to have a, tons of, you know, tons and tons of clients and they, they you know, that we, I'd get them squared away. We'd catch a few fish or we wouldn't catch fish. And they'd be like, what do I need to do? Well, you need to practice. And then they come down the next year and I said, okay, they say, oh, I haven't picked up the fly rod since the last time I saw you. And then they get off the boat and they're a little frustrated. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know what you expected, right. you know, because when it comes to fly fishing, you, you know, you have, you work as a team with your guide. Right. And but your guide can be the best guide in the world. But if you can't, if you can't take care of the fishing aspect of it and then it becomes, then the success rate just plummets. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. And again, you know? I, 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 and, I never really want anyone to see me cast a fly because it's just not pretty. <laughs> it's just really not. I look like Charles Barkley hitting a golf ball. You know what I'm saying? It's just not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> not, not pretty. Yeah. No. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's not pretty for sure. So, so let, let's, uh, let's talk about, um, let's talk about maybe your favorite place to fish. And I know you fished a tour. You were one of those guys that, uh, that I, I, I met on the tour, uh, Redfish Pro Tour from years ago. So I know you fished, uh, quite a bit of places and maybe it's Colorado, but where's, where's your favorite place of all time to fish, Ozzy? Honestly, it would probably be, the uh, the Bahamas on the flats, of the Bahamas fishing for bonefish oh, and okay. hopefully and permit. Um, not that I don't, you know. I mean, I I still get extremely excited uh, sight fishing for tail and redfish. You know, snook are my you know are for us down here. I mean, if you're on the beach fly fishing for them, the, the big girls will eat a fly. But fishing in the sound for them. Uh, I cannot tell you how many hundreds I've thrown at uh, that have or thirty five plus inches that I've that I've never seen eat a fly. You know, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, there he went. <laughs> right. So you know, I mean, there, there there is some frustration involved in fly fishing, and then you know, I mean, the the, the you know, fly fishing for tarpon is um, I don't know if there's anything quite like uh, sight fishing and watching you know a hundred pound fish come up and eat a fly and you're holding on to the fly, you know, you're holding on to fly line with your hand and you're basically, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that connection and that feeling is, is pretty cool. Yeah. 
I, I can only imagine. I I like watching, you know, from years and years of having a tower boat, I like watching that when I can tell when my customers eat, get eaten or if I get eaten, if I'm up in the tower, I'm like, oh, he just ate it. We're fixing to go oh, ballistic. Yeah. And I got to believe that, like you said, with a fly and the lines in your hand, I got to believe that moment is a little surreal. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. The expression on people's faces when they uh, – when they uh, when they have when they've never had it happen before, and they have one, you know, eat the fly, and and then they're you know, and then the then then the chaos really begins, and then you try and remember everything that you're supposed to do right. after the fish eats the fly. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, I'd, I I'd mean, be I'd be locked I'm, up. I'm like, oh, what? is there something else? There's uh, something I have to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I remember the very first one I ever hooked on fly, and I through the fly and into a pothole and a fish had just crashed a bait in this pothole and I flew through a fly in there and it didn't eat. I looked at my buddy. I said, I swear I thought I would have gotten a cast on that, on the, a bite on that cast. And I threw the fly in there again. And I'm just nonchalant stripping. And all of a sudden this fish just annihilated the fly. And I'm just, I stripped set and I'm looking down at the reel in my hand and I'm like, uh, no, not supposed to be looking here. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, yeah, look out there. And as I look up, this fish comes flying out of the water, and I don't start clearing fly line, and it breaks me off instantly. Oh, heartbreak. <laughs> well, you know. That's but then, you know, memories. There, 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 but now there's, now there's been a few successes. Yeah. You remember, you remember failures a whole lot more than you remember successes. Though. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy how that works. Yep. So let's let's talk about uh, Sanibel Captiva. Let's talk about uh, you know with 28 years in the guide business, which is something to be very very proud of. To especially to you know have a family and provide for that family for 28 years is really impressive. What, what is your take on the state of the fishery? I mean, what's it compare it to you know 28 years ago? Oz, when you first started. Um, it's changed drastically, you know, but at the same time, my information has changed drastically. You know, my knowledge has changed, changed drastically. So it would, you know, if I could go back 28 years with the knowledge that I have now and see what would happen, I don't know if it would be insanely crazy or it would just be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, because when I first started, there was, you know, 60, 70, maybe fishing guides in Lee County, right. you know, sure. maybe. And, you know, and, you know, I could go to almost any one of my spots. And I mean, I would, I would pull up to a spot and we'd be catching fish like crazy. And I'd be like, okay, reel them in. We got to move. And the customers would be looking at me like, what do you mean? I said, don't worry. I said, we're going to go over there and over there and over there. And we'll do the exact same thing. Right. You know, now you get on a hot bite, you better milk it. <laughs> because somebody's coming, somebody's coming behind you to fish that spot after you're gone. Yeah. Ride that bad boy out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you 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 find you know instead of leaving fish alone for a couple of days, you find them. You might as well you know, and and that and that's just the nature of the game. I mean, we're now up to three or four hundred fishing guides in Lee County. The population has more than doubled in Lee County in the last twenty eight years. Right. So, but you know, it's changed. But it's still good. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah I yeah. still go I still get to go I still go to go out and catch fish. You know, I get to still go out and put people on fish now. I mean the the 
the biggest struggle for us, honestly, I believe is our, is our water quality issues. And you know, that the event we had in 2018, we're just now, you know, this winter was the first time in, you know, since, since the winter of 2017 that I could go out and catch trout anywhere I wanted. Well, that's, you know, yeah, we got spots yeah, in Tampa it's, Bay. It's, we still can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and, and not to say, you know, and not to say there, I guess that's not completely true because there's still a couple of flats that I used to fish on a daily basis that I check every once in a while and then just get frustrated with. They should be because there. Yeah. They should be there. I mean, you think, you know, this spot, Charlie's Pass, all those trees that used to yep. be there sure. and the sand and the schools of redfish and the, and the big trout that used to lay up on those sand, on that sand. Yeah. Uh, there's next to nothing there. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I look at it about every, you know, but you can go a quarter mile north, uh, a mile south. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you might find fish. So it's a, it's a little, it's, and I don't know, you know, I don't know enough to know that, you know, what has happened is, you know, is, is the forage that should be there hasn't re- returned there. You know, are the crabs not up there for the redfish to eat? Sure. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Well, you you know, but it's, you, you know, don't know why they're not there, but they're not there. Exactly. And, you know, and, uh, and, you know, our, Things this put, you know, this winter has been the first time in a few years that more often than not, I look forward to going to work more so than I did a couple winters ago when it was, it was just a struggle right? just to even a struggle to even put together, you know, a lot of days to put together a good, what I thought was a good trip. And, you know, and everybody's definition of a good trip is different. You know what I mean? Sure. So. You know, I mean. Well, it's always so, gotta be, it's always frustrating. I don't care what you do for a living. If you know, if your if your world every day you get up and you're scratching your head and you're just not sure how it's going to go, and you don't ever have those days when you're you, you, that you have good days. When those days run out, well, that makes going to work every day tough. I mean, really tough. And I, yeah. I think, I, and I think the big. And it's funny because we, you know, a lot of the podcasts here, you know, recently with, especially with the fishing guides, you know, the the conversation about the red tide, the water quality, all that stuff comes up. And and I, I think what I, what I find is hard for people to understand and wrap their brain around is just because you're in an area that's catching fish. Okay. You know, there's, there's a lot of really great, you know, old timer fishing guys that listen to the radio shows and they swear up and down that it should have never been closed or catching all kinds of fish and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but where you fish, there was no red tide. Yes. So I think people lose sight of the fact that there's parts of the west coast of Florida, Sarasota Bay, Sanibel Captiva. And for Sanibel Captiva, Charlotte Harbor area, that whole area has been hit over and over and over again. It's even had some hits. Where since the red tide, you guys can't get away from the stuff. No, we had, we, you know, we had 2018 was catastrophic. Right. The red tide in 2019, that was, was not talked about a lot because it was not on the beaches with dead fish washing up, right. but it was in the bay and we still lost, you know, I still 
you know, remember one morning and walking, getting, you know, walking out onto my dock and looking and seeing hundreds of dead fish in my marina, right. you know, yeah. and, and that was in 2019 when nobody said anything. And right. in 2000 and, and even this year, we are still dealing with red tide right now. Now the concentrations are very low. So not even, I mean, I haven't even had issues with keeping bait in my live well. I mean, even, even today when I, you know, I can tell when it's around, I mean, they open your, open your live well and you get a little tickle in your throat or a little cough, you know, there's red tide in that live well, sure. you know, but it's, it's at a, it's at a low enough level where you're not even killing your bait. So you're not, you're, you're not even, you know, you're not, you know, so what kind of damage is that red tide doing? I don't know. Probably not much, but it's, you know, it's still there. Well, don't and, you, don't you, you think, and, and this is just something I wonder because like the Fort DeSoto area that, that I fish, you know, it's right outside my marina and we fish it on a regular basis, usually year round. This winter has been very barren of fish and I still believe, and I don't know that, you know, I, I'm not educated enough on the subject of red tide, but I got to believe that when red tide rolls into an area and gets and kills all those fish, uh, all those crabs, all those crustaceans, all those things that no longer can exist in that water because there's no oxygen, I got to believe that that does something to the earth in those areas. It does something to the bottom. In, you know, like you were talking about Charlie's Pass. You know, what is the situation in Fort DeSoto that we're not having a bunch of fish there right now? Why is that? Yeah. And what's the deal? When and, normally, and, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I could, I could take, you know, three guys with paddle tails and we could go catch 150 trout in four hours. Now they might not all be very yeah. big, but we could go catch them. But you, they're not there. You go catch them. Yeah. They're not there. Yeah. And that, 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 you know, uh, they may have came here <laughs> <That could be. laughs> because I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out how we go from the winter of 2019 where literally I could probably count on two hands, the number of quality trout I caught, you know, where I should be catching him nonstop. And then in 2020 where it was, where it got better and there was a handful of places that held a lot of good quality fish to this year where, I mean, there was a stretch back in, in, uh, end of November, beginning of December that, I, every place I went to, I'd leave fish biting. Nice. That's good. You know, yeah. and, and I'm and, and these, tr- these trout are 20 plus inches. So they're not, they're not trout that were born after the red tide. Right. So where so, the heck did they come from? Yeah, you know, wh- they were, those, these were fish that um, I'm, I'm guessing were able to leave our, leave our area. I don't know if they went offshore. I don't know, you know, where they went. And then, but now, and now all of a sudden water, water has improved. There's food for them and they're back. I want my, I want my fish back, Ozzy. Okay. I trust me, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I want, you know, I used to fish, you know, you, you, when we would do shows, if we didn't fish Buck Key, you'd look at me going, where, what the hell is wrong with you? Why have we, why are we not on Buck Key? Right. Well, I, there's the fish were getting back there and this is how fragile it is. The fish were getting back there in September and October into November. And then in early December, the water went from beautiful to Brown and nasty and everything left. And they're not back yet. 
and, and I'm assuming we know that there was probably some water releases around that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, and you know, I mean, and I, you know, I mean, you want to talk about, we, you know, for, for us here, you know, the, we are in a very precarious state right now. The lake is three feet above what it was at this time last year. And if we do not have a very nice dry season where it stays dry and they are, they, they, inch the releases up a little bit, which is we need to, honestly, we need to do because if, if we don't get that lake down to about 11 feet come July, right. When it gets to the rainy season, we yeah. into the rainy season, we are, you know, we're done. Right. I mean, there's, we're, we, we are, we are, we are asking for another catastrophe. And unfortunately there's so many factors involved in the water quality of, that goes into that lake and that comes to us right. and from, you know, from everything that happens to the North to those, everything that happens to the South. For those listeners that don't know, obviously we're talking about Lake Okeechobee, um, which runs out there, dumps into the Gulf right there uh, on those runoffs. From the, yeah, it comes out of the Clouse, they the, the water gets released out of the Clusatchee River. Right. And they have a lock there and they control the, Army Corps of Engineers controls the amount of water that gets released out of Lake Okeechobee. When the lake gets to certain levels, you are start to worry about uh, structural integrity of the dike that surrounds Lake Okeechobee. And you have all kinds of issues for the freshwater fishermen in the lake when it's too low and when it's too high. And, you know, and, you know, the, the, the powers that be that try and, uh, keep the lake where they want it for their agricultural interests. Um, literally try and pit the saltwater guys against the freshwater guys. And really we're, we're all in the same. We're, we're all, we're all wanting the same thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all wanting the same thing and we're heading in the right direction with a lot of the organizations that are out there. We're definitely heading in the right direction to get water, to get moved South instead of East and West. Sure. Um, because that will, you know, if there comes a point where, you know, and on top of getting the water moved south, we need to clean, we need to somehow manage to get the water that comes into that lake to be better quality. Right. Well, you know? and there's our good friend, Chris Wiggins and, and, and Daniel there with captains for clean water have been beating that drum and beating that drum and beating that drum. And, and you've heard me say it on the podcast. You've heard me say it on the radio shows. You know, I think every angler out there freshwater saltwater i think you should be members of cca florida i think you should be members of captains for clean water both these organizations are trying their best to do things to help us out they need more members they need more effort we have to have a bigger voice and those voices are can be heard in those two great organizations that would really put us in a much better place if everybody would get on board and help them out you, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and, you, and what you have to avoid is you have to avoid, because I'm sure it happens with CCA as much as it happens with for captains for clean water, is that there's the powers that be that don't want to see things. They want to see things stay the same for for political or money issues that they are just they they will they will do everything in their power to make it to troll 
against these organizations to make them look like they're not doing what, what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Well, and, and I, I think it's, it's the best analogy I've ever heard, and I used it. I used it first, and I absolutely love it, and I think it puts it in a crystal clear perspective for people. I always ask the simple question. I do it on the radio all the time. Some people, I'm sure, are tired of hearing it, and I don't really care. I'm going to keep saying it until we get enough members. But it, I use the NRA. The National Rifle Association is a perfect example. You, people know by now how bad they want to take away your guns, right? We know that. They don't want us to have our guns. They want to take them buggers away from us. You know why they don't get your guns? You know why there isn't a bigger push for them to get your guns? Because there's 6 million members of the NRA. That's just members of the NRA, and they know that. That's not all gun owners. That's just the registered voices that they know that will no, no longer be voting for them if they continue to stomp on your gun rights. Now imagine instead of a couple hundred thousand members of CCA, or and I don't even know what the membership is, Captain, for clean water, but it's not enough. Ima- you know, imagine if there was six million members of Captains for Clean Water or 6 million members of CCA Florida. Imagine, you know, the, the pull you'd have then. Then, every time somebody walked up to the podium from Captains for Clean Water or CCA Florida, all them greedy loser politicians in Washington would be all ears because they know it's 6 million votes. That's the deal. That's how this thing plays out. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's how you can change the Because if you, if you want to hurt them, Take away that comfy, cozy seat that they're sitting in. Take away their plane and their uh, you know, credit card that's got the state of Florida on it. And then you'll, get, then you'll get some response. You'll get action by having a big enough voice. And that's, in my opinion, why the recreational angler doesn't get hurt on these topics. Yeah, I, I agree with you because, because you're dealing with, you know, even just you know, in Southwest Florida, you're dealing with so many different groups that want this, that, or the other thing. Sure. When in reality, we really all want the same thing. And that is clean water and quality habitat and good fishing. Right. And then if you have that, all the other things that everybody's fighting about, they come into place. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's so much better for the economy, especially, you know, in an area like, you know, South Florida, Southwest Florida, where there's so much business is generated in and around the beaches. You know, when that yeah. water goes south, I mean, it, it just boogers up that whole economic flow. It, it just boogers it up. Yeah. And, and here's the bad part, and I don't, I don't know that people really think about this. You don't have to come to Florida to go to the beach. There's beaches in Texas. There's beaches, you know, in a lot of places. California, you know, you don't have to come to southwest Florida to go to the beach. We have the most beautiful beaches, in my opinion, in the whole world. That's a different, that's a conversation for a different time. That being said, if you're constantly having water quality issues, the people who live up north where it's four below while we're having this conversation and they're looking to go to a beach, when they look it up and they see all that noise about the water quality being lousy, they just pick a different place to go. That's, exactly. That's, you know, and then, that's bad and then, for the economy, and not good. It's bad for the economy. And then you start thinking about 
just the people that live here. It's bad for it's it's bad for just even if you are somebody that has, you know, bought a nice house on the water and all of a sudden your property values, instead of going up, start plummeting because nobody wants to because nobody wants to be here. You know, and people do have short memories. So 2018, you know, everybody was up in, you know, everybody was up in arms. It was making national news. Property values were dropping. People weren't, people weren't buying. You know what I mean? I had, you know, multiple cut, you know, I've had more than one customer say, you know, um, I don't know that I'm coming back here because I can't, you know, because I don't want to deal with this red top. I don't want to, I don't want to be on the beach. I don't want to see dead fish. Right. And, and so we get to the point where we're getting, you know, that clean water, you know, and, and fortunately for us, our, our governor has done a, you know, has been very supportive of clean water and it's made all the difference in the world because no matter your political beliefs, the prior governor was one of the biggest reasons our water quality issues are where they went to. Right. Because he was so worried about economics that he relaxed every pollution standard you could imagine in, you know, in the mid two thousands. And what that did was allowed things to go from bad to very bad. <laughs> you, you, know, you don't have to say it. I'll say it for you. We all know how crooked our politicians get. And when big sugar starts throwing money around, you know, crooked politicians just take you right down the toilet. Cause that's all they worry about is lying in their pockets and not about doing the right things. So yeah. And it, know. and and yeah, it doesn't, yeah, they, they, it's all about, you know, it's all about, uh, it's all about, um, it's all about, you know, them, Retiring you know, I mean, rich. I, yep. I, 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 I use, I, you know, for anybody that's a, uh, a farmer out there and has made their livelihood raising and selling food or whatever, just think how well off you'd be if you got to have the exact amount of water you needed. If it got to be too much, they diverted it away from you. If it got to be too little, they gave you whatever you needed and you think about how successful you could be. And then you get compliance by the federal government and there you have big sugar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a mess. It's absolutely a mess. So let's, um, the good news is, is you're catching, you're catching a lot. Yeah. You're (laughs) catching, you're catching a lot of fish and, uh, and that's a good thing. So, so is there a fish that Ozzy Lessinger, I mean, obviously, I know you said your favorite place to fish was probably down there in the islands, and and, and does that mean bonefish and permit would be your favorite fish of all time to catch if you could only catch one more fish for the rest of your life, or would there be another species that you would target? I think if there was only one more fish I could catch, I think I'd like to try. I've never caught a permit on fly, um, at least where I've sight fished them. Throwing a fly on a throwing a fly out in the Gulf on a wreck doesn't count. Okay. As, you know, I mean, it's neat and it's awesome, but to be able to, to be able to, you know, convince a permit to eat a fly in, you know, a foot and a half to three feet of water would be, would be pretty cool. I've never caught a permit. Well, I had one day that they were stacked up in a, in a shallow spot, but for most of the, most of the permit I've always caught have been offshore on wrecks, you know, eating crabs and all that yep. stuff, but I see them guys, man, you know, busting them up skinny, and I'm like, man, 
that looks like it'd be stupid. I mean, a, a permit is so much fun to catch on big tackle on a wreck. I can't even imagine the the ballistic show you would get catching one in two foot of water, three foot of water. Yeah, exactly. I just can't even imagine. Yeah, can't even imagine. I think it'd yeah, be it's, unbelievable. Yeah, I've I've uh, I have. I have, I was on the polling platform for my buddy in in uh, the Marquesas one day, and we pulled up in the first thing in the morning, and he either one of us had ever thrown in a tailing permit, and there's two tailing permit, and my buddy Sean throws the fly out there, lands right between them, fish spins around and hails the fly, he, clear in line, he turns around and looks at me, and goes, "What's so hard about this?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's when you take the push pole and push him in. <laughs> well. No, what I did was when he landed his fish, I gave him the push pull and said, you're up there until I catch one. <laughs> It'll be a long day for you, Chief. It, could be. it was a long day for him because I had, I had a pretty good number of shots and I sure didn't catch one. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I want to, I've always, I've wanted to catch a Kubera snapper, man. I've been to Costa Rica like five or six times. A Kubera snapper seems to be my white elephant and I've made these trips to Costa Rica and uh, even like the first or second time I took my wife to Costa Rica, she caught one. And I'm like, really? Are you kidding Isn't me? that how it always works? Yeah. I'm like, doggone it. And she tends to remind me quite often that uh, she has a nice Kubera snapper and I do not. So it's um, my... I'm, I'm sure you probably deserve that. So I, in, some, in some silly way, <laughs> I'm sure. Even if I don't, she, yeah. she can make it seem like I do for sure. So Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> It's all good. As long as, as long as she's happy. Yes, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, one of my favorite people here on the West Coast of Florida, in my opinion, one of the best guides that uh, I've ever fished with, uh, super talented. Uh, keep up the good work down there, Ozzy Lessinger. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. I know uh, fishing guides are busy uh, all the time trying to make money and grinding and on the water and up early and getting tackle ready for tomorrow and all that. So I appreciate the time. It's fishsanibelcaptiva.com, and the phone number is 239-910-7764. He is Captain Ozzy Lessinger, one of my favorite peeps on the planet. Uh, I look forward to fishing with you again here soon, my friend, and thanks so much for the time, Oz. I really appreciate you, pal. Oh, no worries, Mike. I appreciate you. appreciate you having me on. And uh, take care of yourself. And uh, actually, what we're going to see you. In a, we're going to see each other in about a month. Good Lord willing, we can get Mother Nature to work with us for a change, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll get this. Thing, we'll get this thing done. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No doubt. I'm looking forward to it, Ozzy. I appreciate you, pal. Enjoy your day. And again, thank you for your time. Yeah, man. You take care. I certainly hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the Real Animals Podcast as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, my good friend Captain Ozzy Lessinger. There really. Um, a neat guy. When it comes to shallow water, I just, he might be one of the best I've ever fished with shallow uh, as far as real skinny guys go. And, and I fished with a lot of guys that are really good, you know, the Greg DeVaults, the uh, Ozzy Fishers, uh, you know, Jamie Goodwins. I mean, there's a lot of them that, that, I, that I've fished with that are really good shallow. But Ozzy Lessinger has a unique ability to catch those fish shallow. And it might be the fly thing. He spends a lot of time on that polling platform push pulling boats and, and getting guys dialed into catching those fish on fly and and maybe that's what makes him so good with a spinning rod in his hand too he was just a handful when we fished against him on the uh, redfish tournament trail because if there was redfish there 
You know, Ozzy just had a unique ability to get that presentation right, no matter what they were eating and in whatever shallow water it was and catch fish. So just a great guy. If you're headed down there, Sanibel Captiva, you know, I, I definitely recommend, uh, especially if you want to throw a fly. Boy, Ozzy Lessinger is your guy. The Real Animals Podcast, always presented by Contender Boats. We uh, want you to know that the podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and, of course, Spotify. Remember, it's important that you subscribe, rate, and review. We try to drop them each and every Tuesday morning. Uh, I go through stretches where I'm on the water a lot and can't get into the studio here as much as I'd like, but uh, we definitely try to drop them every Tuesday for you. If there's somebody out there you'd like to hear me do a podcast with, then uh, drop us a direct message. You can do that through our Facebook page at Facebook slash Real Animals, or you can drop us one on Instagram, and that's Real Animals TV. Have a great day, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. We're out. It's Rock Riley, and I am so jacked up. I got a new podcast. Once a week, it's The Rock Stops Here. I'm going to be talking with athletes and entertainers, current and former, on making it to the promised land, to the top, and what happens when it's all over, and you don't know what to do, and you got family problems, and money creeps in, and health, and all that jazz. Real talk. No more corporate BS. I can call it like it is. The Rock Stops Here. With me, Rock Riley, can be found anywhere you find your podcasts and radioinfluence.com.